my friends, and welcome again to the Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points us to Jesus, who he is and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you for joining me, friends. This is going to be our final episode from the book of Isaiah. Uh, And as we always want to do before we leave our study of any book of the Bible, we want to pause and ask, what difference should this make in my life? It's a great habit for all of us to get into as we read through the scriptures. We ask, what does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about Christ? What does this teach me about myself? And then from those data points, for lack of a better term, we ask the question, okay, what should change in my life? What should I stop? What should I start? What should I believe? What should I do? And that's what we're asking in episodes like this. Now, I don't know all of your particular life situations, so we're not going to be giving particular applications like, oh, you should go across the street and share the gospel with your neighbor because I don't know whether or not you should do that. But what I will draw your attention to are things like, hey, Yahweh desires that all people know him and Yahweh has commissioned his people to go and and proclaim the good news to people who don't yet believe it. That might lead you to make the specific application of going across the street to your neighbor But we'll just stay at the level of principles and truth, and we let the Holy Spirit guide us into particular applications. So with all that being said, let's take a look at some lessons we can learn from the book of Isaiah. Lesson number one, only God can see how deep our sin really goes. And the wonder is he loves us anyway. All of us are to some extent deceived. We think we know how bad we are, but we have no idea how bad we are. Isaiah 1, 4 through 6 says, ah, sinful nation. This is God speaking to his people, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why do you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. We are deceived and we need the scriptures to shine the light on our sinfulness. Number two, God's defining characteristic, his holiness, forms the basis of our worship to him. We worship God because he is the only God, the mighty God, and the sinless God. Isaiah 6, 1 and 3, in the year that King Uzziah died, so Uzziah is dead, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, very much alive high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. One called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Three, God despises a religious lifestyle not accompanied by obedience. God is talking in Isaiah 1, 10 through 17. He's talking to his people, Israel, and listen to what he calls them. Remember, the people of Israel during Isaiah's time were going through the motions, going to the temple and offering sacrifices, and then also going and offering sacrifices to idols, going to the temple and offering sacrifices, and then going out and sleeping with prostitutes, going to the temple and offering sacrifices, and then going out and exploiting the poor. And God sees it and hates it. So listen to what he calls them. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Yikes. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I don't delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who's required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. 
new moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. That's the key verse right there. Because an Israelite would say, when God says, hey, who told you to offer all these sacrifices? They'd say, um, you did. But God says, I hate, I won't tolerate iniquity and solemn assembly. You can't do both. You can't serve me and your own lustful desires. You can't serve me and your own greed. Choose this day who you will serve. Fourth, we must continually humble ourselves before God. As we've talked about at length, Isaiah denounces pride and calls us to trust the Lord. And this is a battle we'll all be fighting until the day we see Jesus. We will all struggle with pride, with a desire to call the shots in our life until we see the Lord face to face. Fifth, God does all things for his glory. And that is good news for sinners like us. Because one of the things that God does to bring himself glory is save what from a human perspective would be the unsavable. To save the worst sinners so that all can magnify God for his grace. Sixth, the Lord is king over all the earth. All of all the earth. He demonstrated that to the Assyrians. He demonstrated that to the Babylonians. And he will demonstrate that to every nation on earth. Every person on earth will one day bow before the Lord and confess that he truly is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Seventh, the Lord calls and commissions messengers to carry his message all over the world. God doesn't need us. He could write his message in the sky, but he chooses to work with and through weak humans. And he does this because he loves us and is good to us. And so we must be like Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, 8, Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. And may that be our posture before the Lord. Eight, the Lord sovereignly hardens and opens people's hearts. We see this truth over and over again in Scripture from all the way back in Genesis when God says to a, a man named Abimelech, that God did not allow him to sin in a particular fashion. God is sovereign over Abimelech's sin. We see it in Exodus with God hardening the heart of Pharaoh. And we see it in Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 9. After Isaiah says, here I am, I'll go. God says, all right, go and say to this people, to Israel, keep on hearing, but do not understand. See, but do not perceive. Isaiah 29, 10. The Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes and covered your heads. Now we know that that's not all the scripture says about human beings and their responsibility. That scripture speaks of us as being responsible for our choices. And at the same time, scripture says God is sovereign over our choices. Now, there's mystery there. We don't want to fall into either ditch. We don't want to believe that God is completely sovereign and we're just puppets. And we have no say in the matter because that's not how the Bible talks. And we don't want to believe that God is just pensively standing on the sideline and rubbing his hands together, hoping we'll choose him, but unable to influence the choice in one way or the other. And man has sovereign, autonomous free will. That's not how the Bible talks either. Man is responsible. God is sovereign. And he does all that he does, the opening and the hardening for his glory. Ninth, turn away from worthless idols to serve the living God. This is one of the main things that Isaiah emphasizes the foolishness, not just the sinfulness, but the foolishness of idolatry. And as he over and over again compares an idol carved out of dead wood that you yourself chopped down, an idol made out of metal that you yourself fashioned with an engraving tool versus the living God who made the stars. Isaiah 57, 13, when you cry out, 
Let your collection of idols deliver you. The wind will carry them off. A breath will take them away. But he who takes refuge in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. Tenth, our hope is in the king and the world to come. This earth is not our home. And I would argue that the key to faithful Christian living is remember that we are just passing through. That doesn't mean we don't care about the earth. We love the earth. We love the people of this earth. We want to do good to those around us. But this earth ultimately is not our home. Our home is in a new creation. I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, Isaiah 65, 17 says. And this new creation will come when Jesus comes back. And that's why it's always a great idea to close by saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Friends, next time we come together, Lord willing, we will begin looking at the book of Jeremiah. But for now, take up and read. God bless.